right. Good morning, everybody. There's a lot of new faces out there, which is really cool, at least new to me. Maybe, maybe you've been here and I'm terribly, you know, distant from everyone or something, and I haven't seen you, but welcome, whoever's here who's new, I appreciate it. And uh, Jewel, I'm sure, mentioned that we have, you know, stuff for new people back there. Um, so we got a bunch of stuff. Uh, we have our, our communion today we'll do at the end of the, the service, which is, uh, I think, um, incredibly important for us to get a hold of what that really means. Uh, we're, we're, I'm going to follow along with what Steve has been doing. We're going to have a summer of Proverbs. So Steve was like, I said, well, where do you want me to be? Do you have a place for me? Because usually I just kind of, you know, I just, the Lord just gives me something you know, to talk about. But, uh, but in this case, it was nice to have some parameters, you know, to work in. So I appreciate that. So um, we also have what's coming up on Tuesday, uh, the, um, the uh, July 4th, Independence Day. So I have some Declaration of Independence in the back, copies. So I'd encourage you guys to get a hold of that because it's really, it's very important. One of the founders said that it's, it's important for us to study the Constitution, to study the law of the land. We've been doing it on Friday nights. I think it's a, a great thing, and I would encourage anybody who can come out. Uh, it, you're becoming kind of in the middle, but we just started going through a, like kind of a line by line. I don't think we're gonna go that in depth, but we're, we're gonna find out what the founders, what our founding fathers really, what their intent was in presenting the, the things that came down. So that's the Constitution. and. The founders also believe that it's important for us to understand what the Declaration that of Independence says to understand what the Constitution is talking about. You know, so I would encourage you guys, it's uh, Friday night, 7.30, come out. It's great. We have a good, good, uh, good time. We go over, go kind of in-depth with that. That's going to continue on for a while. So, but, uh, so grab a, a copy of the Declaration in the back there on your way out. So it's, I think it's, it's so important. We live in such a great country, and we have to keep it that way. And I know I've said this numerous times, but the church is the foundation of this country. The church is what keeps this country free. The principles that are in the Constitution are established from godly principles, regardless of how you see the Founding Fathers, whether deists or whatever. What is in there is solid it's built on the foundation of God's Word. We are the representation of that now. And so we have to, have to understand the importance of who we are in Christ and uh, what that means to our country, what that means to freedom. You know, we're representatives of freedom. And so, um, so we also have a memory verse. It's not a new one. It's from last month. Because, uh, well, I don't know what a new one would be. We'll figure something out next week. But, uh, but we can go with it. It's in Proverbs 1, 1 through 4. You guys remember it or no? Come on now. All right. So you have it? All right. Can we put that up on the, the screen, guys? And if you wouldn't mind, let's stand and let's, uh, let's read that together. Proverbs 1, 1 through 4. And it's in the, this, this version is the New Living Translation. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. 
Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge, and discernment to the young. All right. So I'd encourage you guys to get a hold of that, you know, and study the Proverbs. Steve had mentioned a while back, and this is something that I learned years and years ago with, with um, taking, you know, quiet time to really get into God's Word. Oh, I'm sorry, you could sit. <laughs> it's a lot more intimidating if you're standing there while I'm preaching. <laughs> uh, but uh, but to, that there are 31 Proverbs, and the majority of the months, months are 31 days in the month. So if you read a proverb for the day of that month, you'll get through proverbs in the month. And, uh, and then also there's a way to break down Psalms that way. So reading Psalms and Proverbs is just a great, it's a great thing to just study, to just kind of incorporate that into your daily Bible study, because it teaches us wisdom, discipline, helps us understand insights of the wise, to teach us to, be, to live disciplined and successful lives, to do what is right, just, and fair. This is what we need, right? Like I said, we are, as the church, this is the representation that we are to the world. We want to be doing the things that are right, just, and fair. And so the verse that I want to start out with um, this morning, that's actually a, a, a passage, uh, Proverbs 9, 1 through 18. So I picked this one as towards the end of the, the, the first uh, 10 Proverbs, which are, which are broken down, they're, they're like messages to a young, you know, the, um, Solomon's son, you know, father to a son. And, uh, and then it, he, he starts to use these, these um, he starts to write out kind of a personification of what wisdom is. Wisdom calls out, you know, in all of this. So I want to go with uh, Proverbs 9 because it gives us a breakdown, kind of gives us a... Um, the contrast between what wisdom looks like and what folly looks like. And I think it's really great, you know, to be able to see that. And I'll probably, unfortunately, be talking more about folly today because I know that better. You know, I just, like, it, when I see it, I see it in me. You know, when I see the things that folly brings, I tend to see it more in me. And, uh, and that's, that's unfortunate, you know. Um, we want to see wisdom. We want to see us making good good decisions, you know, and representing Christ well. So let's read this, and then we'll, then we'll lift it up to the Lord. So Proverbs 9, 1 through 18. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live, and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Re reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise to yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. And this is the contrast to wisdom. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive, although that, that word isn't a great representation of what the word in Hebrew means. It means simple. 
Um, so she is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, um, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he who does, he who does not know, uh, he, but he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. All right. Well, Lord, uh, Lord, I just uh, bring this word to you. I bring this morning to you. I pray, God, that you would, um, that you would help us to, to understand your word this morning, that we can make it practical, that we can take, take it and, and apply it to our lives so that we can, we can grow in you, so that we can be a better representative of you while we're here on this earth, Lord, that we can, um, we can grow up into you, Lord, as your body. We are your body. I pray that we would, we would understand that and that we would not be looking ahead and waiting for, uh, for our time when we um, can be in your presence, but that we would understand that um, we, have, we have work to do here and we represent you now. And Lord God, I just pray that we would be able to walk out of here with, with the ability to take one more step one more step towards you. So uh, I just praise you, God. I thank you. And I pray your blessing on this, this, uh, this message this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right. So as you can see, there is, a, there is quite a contrast between wisdom and folly. Pastor Steve's been talking about wisdom the past, past few weeks, which you guys know. Um, but he, he had given us kind of a definition of what Proverbs is there for. And I think that it's a good definition of what wisdom is. You know, so let's look at the definition. First of all, it's an action thing. You know, we can get caught up in thinking, you know, I'll just read more and all that stuff and that'll make me wise. That's not really the case. You know, it has to do with action. And the book of Proverbs is for developing wisdom, practical skills for living well in God's world. And that is what Pastor Steve had mentioned. I think that's a pretty good definition for wisdom. These are practical skills for living well in God's world. And, but today, um, we're going to be continuing to get a kind of a grasp on what that looks like, but I want to get a grasp on what folly looks like because we would think that folly is obvious, right? You would think, well, we should just see that, you know? She's loud and she's all this, you know? Um, but I think that we... We can see it kind of in a big picture sense, but do we see it personally? Do we see where there's folly, you know, where we're kind of giving into folly, or I would like to say that folly and worldly wisdom are really the same thing. And so are we, are we allowing folly to kind of dictate how we, how we act in our personal lives? And I think that, you know, the goal is that we take these esoteric kind of things, you know, and make them practical for us. Because God gave us his word so that we could grow by it, you know? So that's the goal. Um, so, uh, so let's look at what, you know, what the wisdom of this world or folly looks like. And I'd like to give it kind of a definition which is in line with the definition that Steve gave for, for Proverbs and wisdom. And I would define it this way. It's the things that we do and attitudes that we have that cause us to be unsuccessful and barren in God's world. 
If we have wisdom, we have the practical skills for living well in God's world. If we're being, if we're living our lives, listening and giving in to folly, then we have the attitudes and we do the things and we have the attitudes that cause us to be unsuccessful and barren in God's world. That's not what we want, you know? <laughs> we definitely don't want to be unsuccessful and barren. So, um, so we'll get into that. First, let's uh, look at some scripture here. Like I said, I have a ton of scripture, so I hope you guys don't mind. I'd rather the scripture do the talking. 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 18 through 20. I should have brought my glasses this morning. I'm definitely a, a little, little dull right now. Um, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. The folly, the wisdom of this world is futility. It's futile. It's meaningless. It brings death. It gets you nowhere. Um, 1 Corinthians 1, 17 through 20. This is Paul. He's talking about the foolishness of the gospel. But I think it does kind of encapsulate um, this idea that, um, that we can, you know, without Christ, we can figure things out, you know, and, and live our lives the way that we should. And it just doesn't happen. So, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Oh, hi, Leila. Excuse me. Oh, you got my glasses for me? Oh, no. Got, got mama's glasses for me. Oh, nice. <laughs> you like being in the spotlight, huh? You want to preach? Oh, my. Okay. Well, it's big now. Um, Okay, so where was I? For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And 1 John 4, 6, 4, 4 through 6, he says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Folly is error. James 4, 4, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So what does this wisdom of the world look like? Well, that makes things way too big. Um... And so that's where I want to look at and break down this, this, um, this kind of personification of folly in Proverbs. And we'll start kind of line by line. And I th- it's so fascinating how this is. So the woman folly, in verse 13, it says, The woman folly is loud. She is simple and knows nothing. Think about, think about what we have, right, if we look at folly as, as worldly wisdom that's out there. It's always in our face. 
we're always being bombarded with things, whether on TV, whether in the news. There's all these things that are, that are just built on this idea of, of, of being just anti-God. We're always faced with that. It's in our face. We hear it all the time. You know, so we're walking, you know, and you'll see the person's walking, as we read in, in Proverbs 9, you know, walking a straight path. But this, this folly is loud. And it's also simple. You know, and the, the loud also is, is another word for it, is clamorous, undisciplined, chaotic, turbulent, no peace. What does the world offer us? Do we see that in culture today? Do we see nothing but that in culture today? It's loud, it's turbulent, it's chaotic. That's what we have in our culture today outside of Christ. There is no peace, no true peace without life in Christ. That's where it comes from. That's where peace is. And uh, I want to try and make all of these things, bring all of these things down from, like I said, from a big picture thing to kind of a personal thing. Um, do we have that in our own lives? Do we see that in our own lives? This disorder, maybe chaos, undisciplined, turbulent. We don't have peace. You know, maybe this is something that you know, we could look at and see. Is this something that where we've heard the call of folly, this loud call of folly, and I've listened to it, I've kind of turned in a little bit. You know, because as you see, like we can look at the, like I said, the big picture, and look at what folly looks like as a whole, but I think as we break it down, we can see that, man, there might be little areas in our lives where, where we've kind of turned in. We haven't fully turned in. We're not like, you know, dead. That's what happens <laughs> when you're fully there. But that area might be dead in us. That little area that we've given in to folly instead of, what does God's Word say about this? Have I sought the Lord about this? You know, so I would encourage you as we go through it, you know, that we would all really just make it personal. Where is that in me? Do I see that in me? Because the goal of anything that we do here in the, in the body, in the church, the goal of this, any teaching, is that we, would, that we would grow together, you know? That we would take steps towards getting better, to not be deceived by the, the wisdom of the world, not be deceived by folly. We have to encourage one another Right? Singing psalms and hymns and, and, uh, and doing the things like uh, treating each other with love. Doing the things that we're supposed to be doing in, in the body of Christ. You know? And so we have to be, you know, we have to be our brother's keepers too, you know, in a sense. You know, brothers come around and say, hey, listen, you know, this is an area where maybe, maybe we could grow together. Let's talk about this, you know? And I'm seeing this little area, you know? So, and I think John, um, John had brought that up. You know, as uh, talking about when it was talking about polity and it was talking about the family and how important it is. We are the family of Christ. How important it is for us to be humble enough to hear from a brother or sister so that we can not get dragged into this, this, this house of folly because it's dead there. We want life, right? So I'm preaching already and I haven't even gotten through the first thing. But it's so true. I mean, what's the point of all of this if it's not to be like Christ? You know, we walk out of here, we heard a message, we did our thing. Sunday, all right, cool, that's what I do on Sundays. I go to church. 
That's not where it's at. This is life. There's, there's nothing more important than this. All right. <clears throat> so, there's no peace without the life of Christ. This folly is simple. Definition for simple, entirely without safeguard or restraint. Think about that. Entirely without regard, or without safeguard or restraint. There's nothing holding it back. We have so many examples in our society today of this. There is no restraint. There's no safeguard in place. I mean, look at yeah, just look at the ideas that are out there. This, even ideas that were founded in, in good things like free speech. You know, look at the examples that we see where they want to cast off the restraint just to be free. You can't tell me what I can do or what I can't do, what I can say, what I can't say. Unless, of course, you're saying something that lines up with God's Word. You know, because that would add restraint to everyone else kind of thing. That folly wants to cast it off. The, the wisdom of this world casts that off. If we look at societies throughout history, they're continually casting off restraint. Look at the lie in the beginning. The whole point was to be autonomous. You know, God really say that? Did God really say that? You know, when, when uh, Eve was deceived, it's about autonomy, to be your own God. Cast off anything that would, that would box you in. We see this also... In, in families, you know, when and this is something that I think is in, important, and I don't want to digress into this, but, you know, when our, as parents, we have to set up boundaries of discipline for our kids. That restraint is good for, for our kids. You know, if we don't do that, it's like putting them in the middle of the ocean and saying, okay, just swim around, find your way home. They don't know what to do. The Lord has given us His Word. He's given us His parameters to walk in. These parameters are for safety. They're for, for protection. They're for growth. They're for good for us. So we line ourselves up with that. The world, the worldly wisdom, the folly doesn't want that. They don't want restraint. Is there any areas, though, in us where maybe, maybe that's what we're doing? You know, maybe that word... Ah, I don't know. I know it says that, but I just kind of put that off to the side. <laughs> oh, God's Word's true, but eh, I just don't want to do that yet. Um, so we just have to be careful with that. Um, but again, make it personal. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. If we don't have the revelation of God's plan and His will then we have no restraint. And again, as the church, we're that. We are that representation of God's plan and His will. Um, yeah. The people become ungovernable without divine wisdom. The other thing that simple is, is that there is no sense of shame. You know, shame is one of those things, like even in, in Christianity, you know, we have no condemnation in Christ, Right? And we, can, we look at shame as the same thing. We should feel shame if we drop the ball and turn to Him and then be restored. And we should know that that sin is bad. And we should, we should hate the sin. And we should be able to say, 
that is, that's a shameful thing for me to do that. Shame isn't bad unless you stay there. Let's come to Christ where we can be forgiven. And He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The world doesn't want that. The world isn't that. There is no sense of shame out there. Everything's acceptable. Everything's okay. Ephesians 4, 17 through 4, uh, 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Uh-oh. I've obviously offended someone. Um, <clears throat> oh. Okay. <clears throat> this is such a picture of the world today, right? This is such a picture of the world today. That, but because that, they're walking and their they're, they're, uh, understanding is darkened, they're alienated from the life of God, they're ignorant, their heart is hard, become callous, giving themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way we learned Christ. You know, let us be renewed in our minds, in the spirit of our minds. When I, I think about, like, uh, a lot of times people can, can hold on to uh, bad habits because they might say, well, that's my personality. That's just my personality. You know, that's ah, just how I am. You know, and we can write off bad habits. We can write off bad attitudes. We can write off things that God says in his word are wrong. And I would say that outside of Christ, maybe we can't change our personality. Maybe we can't change our bad habits. But with Christ, we can. We have His Spirit in us. His Spirit in us makes us completely new. Makes us a different person. To fall back on our personality and say, well, that's just how I am. If it doesn't line up with God's Word, then we have to rethink that. We have no excuse to do that. We have God's Holy Spirit in us. This is life. Like this is, this is, we're new people, new creations, created in Christ Jesus for what? To do good works. We're not by ourselves lost anymore. You know, so we need to put on the new man. You know, put on the new self. Created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And I, I, I know like maybe, like I always say, like I don't want to put a guilt trip on people, all that stuff. Um, but I feel like uh, we, need to, we need to shoot for that, the ideal. Like, you know, so from, from here, you know, like I'm always pushing for the ideal, you know, because I know how far I am from the ideal. And we all are far from the ideal. But the goal is to get one step closer to the ideal. You know, we want to be like Christ in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The other thing that, that um, folly is, knows nothing. Folly is ignorant. It's not just that it doesn't know. 
is that it doesn't consider the consequences of its actions and it's willfully ignorant. I mean, the world is full of that. Is there any consequences for what's going on? You know, are pe people out there, outside in the world, they're doing things that you're like, how, are you not thinking about like, well, how this is going to affect things later? I mean, look at the, the transgender ideology. Destroying lives. Destroying people's ability to have families. Just ignoring the consequences of these things. These are lies. This is folly. This is wisdom of this world. It's not truth. The world is overflowing with ideas that suggest there's no cause and effect. I mean, they're, it's craziness. We need to be living our lives understanding that we reap what we sow. We need to be showing people that that's the reality of things. And we have to do that on the minute little scale in our own lives. You know, the little bit that I do is that, you know, I'm going to reap whatever I'm sowing into. You know, Galatians 6, 7, 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. I mean, we look at, you know, it's like, well, there's a lot of children out of wedlock. Oh, okay, well, how about, is abstinence maybe, maybe an idea? Maybe that's something. There's no, there's no cause and effect here. The hard work, you know, giving people um, jobs or positions or whatever, maybe because they work hard or giving them a place in college because they, they work hard. And they, they worked hard to get to that spot instead of their ethnicity or their color. It's just ridiculous stuff. The world knows the reality of cause and effect and you reap what you sow, but chooses to ignore it, to be free to live autonomously. So that's folly. Then it says in verse 14, she sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town. This is so crazy, because when you contrast it with wisdom, it's so cool. Um, she sits at the door of her house. She's just sitting around. She's lazy. She's idle. Instead of what wisdom is doing, wisdom has built her house. Wisdom has hewn her seven pillars. She is preparing a table. She's doing all of this stuff. Oh, it's so It's so cool. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town. So folly is idle. It's lazy. She's not doing the work to prepare for the future. And this is something that for me is, you know, I can, I can get busy and get caught up. And I end up, you know, feeling like, well, aren't I owed like a little time to hang out and not have to think about work for a while or not think about whatever? And uh, so I can, be, I can be that, you know. Um, I'm lazy in certain areas, for sure. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11 says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise without having any chief, officer, or ruler. She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man.
Worldly wisdom, folly, would say that hard work isn't necessary. Right? We see this in the culture today. This continual push to have our needs met by the government without us doing the hard work to provide for ourselves. Victim mentality. Personal responsibility is out the door. But personal responsibility is an aspect of godly wisdom. But this can happen, like I said, on a, a small, like kind of a minute level. Is there any areas where maybe we're lazy? Maybe we're sitting at the door instead of building our house. Maybe we're not looking ahead, doing what we should be doing. Preparing for the, the lean times. <clears throat> maybe prayer. You know, are we taking the time to put the hard work into getting to know the Lord? Are we spending time in His Word, studying to show ourselves approved? Rightly dividing it? How about our marriage? How about our kids? Are we sitting around while we should be working? Folly is arrogant also, sitting on high places, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. <clears throat> Folly is always calling those who are walking on the straight path. You know, they're straight on their way. Wisdom calls too. But folly is loud, like I said. Um, so it's always, always calling us and then rejoices when we stumble. You know, I think of uh, Pilgrim's Progress. If you guys have, haven't read that, I'd encourage you to read that. Where Christian is on a path, he's following the path, and he gets off the path, you know, but the path is still there. He can get back on the path, you know, but the whole, the whole thing, it's, it's such a great image of us just walking down the path. Let's walk down the path. Keep our eyes fixed on, on the Lord. And I'll wrap it up with this. I won't be able to get too far into wisdom. <laughs> We're doing communion. <laughs> we did a lot on folly. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I can go for a couple more minutes. Maybe I'll just talk faster. Um, <clears throat> but we can see the... Um, the benefit, though, oh, we could see, I'm sorry, I'm not there yet. So we'll, we'll see wisdom in the, that, that we're being drawn all the time. Proverbs 2, 12 through 15, delivering you from the evil way of, or, or from the way of evil, which is wisdom and discretion will deliver you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. The world's crying out, rejoicing in the destruction of those who are trying to walk in integrity. It's always at war with us. John 15, 18, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And then John 7, 7, the second part of that, because I don't want to get into the first part because it just said that if the world hates you, but then he says the world can't hate you, but well, that's a whole big, we can do that later. But it takes, it hates Jesus because he testifies about it, that its works are evil. We are a representative of that to this world. The world hates us because we represent Christ, because we look like him and we should look like him. And we can't let that, be a, a stumbling block for us. You know, we see a, a, tra 
an attack on traditional marriage and values. Have you guys heard of this thing called a trad wife? It's a mockery on like whatever video thingies, TikTok. Um, I'm not a very, I'm not very good with all the TikTok stuff. But a trad wife is a wife that believes in traditional values. Someone, a wife who believes that, well, I'm home, I'm gonna take care of the home, I'll raise the children, I'm gonna make some dinner for the husband. You know, this traditional kind of family stuff. And it's a mockery on, on uh, the internet. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here, and to him who lacks sense, she says. And this is the same exact call that wisdom has. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here, and to him who lacks sense, she says, no. it's just interesting because it's the same call, but the, but the benefit is different. You know, we get the same call. Come in here, you're simple. Come in here. You know, let, you know. and what do we get from folly? It says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. And then it says, but he does not know that the dead are there, that our guests are in the depths of Sheol. But what do we get if we respond to the call of wisdom? In Proverbs 8, 1 through 21, it's a long, kind of a long passage. It says, does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Besides the gates in front of the town, beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Here, I will, here for I will speak noble things, and from my lips I will come, will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness and the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. That's what we get if we hear wisdom's call. We get enduring wealth, riches, and honor, righteousness. Like, what else is there? We get an enduring thing. We, not only here we get blessed, but we have a blessing that's set, set up for us in the future, you know, all the great and precious promises. You know, it's amazing what we have, that when we see him, we'll be like him. We'll be fully, we'll be more fully clothed. I love that. And we're not just casting off the old man when we enter there and see Christ, but we become more clothed with glory, with, his, with who he is. Ah, oh, that's exciting. 
That's exciting. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. We have, we have a couple things we have to do. We've got to ask God, right? And it says without doubting. And then it says seek after wisdom. We're here. This is good. We've got to seek after wisdom. Um, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor in life. I think the beginning of, of uh, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, but I think that the beginning um, of the fear of the Lord is humility. I think we have to understand that we have to come to Him humbly, acknowledging where we drop the ball, where maybe there's little areas where we're We've given in to that folly, you know, little areas. Could be little things, you know, and just to examine ourselves and to think about that stuff so that we can just be better. We can be better for Christ. We're here for His purpose. And, uh, and if we're humble and honest before the Lord, you know, then we get wisdom. We get to fear of the Lord. You know, we understand who He is. We understand who we are. Um, so, just little areas where maybe we could, you know, examine ourselves. And we're getting ready to take com- communion, the Lord's table. Some reason I can't put those words together with my lips, and, or my, those letters together and make it sound like a word. Communion, I have to like work on it. Some weird thing. Um, but the Lord's table, we're getting ready to do that. Um, so, I would encourage everybody as you come up, and uh, I think the worship team is going to have a, a tune for us. But as you come up, really be considering, you know, this blood, the blood that was spilled for us, the body that was crushed for us, the life that was lived for us in Christ, you know, that wasn't just done so that we could kind of wander about on this earth and hold our Christianity to ourselves and just be who, you know, well, I'm good, kind of, like a personal Christianity. But, like, we need to be excellent for Him. Like, we need to examine ourselves and see where there's areas that we can change and allow Him to change us so that we can, we can work in His body and we can work in the, um, in the world honoring Him.